chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with verse 14. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. And still others proclaimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in, hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with order to bring John's head. The man went and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I'm going to call your attention back to Psalm 24. You may have heard that psalm before. Some of you have had a calendar at one time or another that had those words inscribed over a picture of a beautiful sunset or some lake view. Or you might have even seen it as a meme on your Facebook feed. The psalm professes a foundational concept of our faith and our existence. That God alone is creator and the sole possessor of the earth and everything in it. That the world and all who live in it 
are created by God. That everything, all that exists is created and possessed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why it gives us such joy to sing a childhood song such as the one that Don's going to sing for you. I hope you'll sing along with him. Don? In his hands he's got the whole world. In his hands he's got the whole world. In his hands he's got the whole world in his hands. Thank you, Don. I'm still too scared to sing in front of you. <laughs> but listen, why do we love that song? Every last one of you were singing, we're smiling. It goes back to a time not when your life was simpler or the world wasn't scary because when a kid, for a kid, the world starts out scary, doesn't it? I remember the world being scary when I was a kid. There's no idyllic innocence that that takes us back to. What it takes us back to is when we believed God. It takes us back to a time when we sat in a circle as scared little children with a nursery worker or a Sunday school teacher, and we held hands and reminded each other that each one of us belonged to God. And we heard as uncertain children the certainty that we are God's, that we are in God's hands, and we were able to feel better about the world. I wonder, does anyone here need to be reminded today that you or someone you love is in God's hands. We need the certainty. We need that certainty and assurance of life and love. And we have it in the idea that we belong to God who is life and love. We need deep within to know that the world, the whole world, the whole world and all and any that are in it are loved and owned by its creator. Even though it sometimes doesn't look that way. And Psalm 24 then is about possessorship. About who it is that holds all things. It reminds us of who creation belongs to. It reminds us of who owns the heavens, of who owns the earth, of who owns us, of who owns our neighbors, including those who might not think like us, talk like us, look like us, live like us, or even like us at all, including even those who may deny the existence of the God of Israel. God even holds the atheist in God's hands. Even those who refuse the grace of God ultimately belong to God. The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. It doesn't say that the earth will be the Lord's. It doesn't say that the earth might be the Lord's. It says the earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone that is in it. The only caveat he makes, evil. All the destructive and deplorable things done in the world by human beings that human beings then turn around and say, a good God shouldn't allow. Don't you love how modern human beings blame God for the horrible things we do? 
Evil belongs to us. Evil is humankind's handiwork. We brought evil into God's creation by desiring what God commanded us to avoid. We humans are the workers of evil. We have become less than what we were intended to be. We do evil when we forget to whom creation belongs. Psalm 24 reminds us and all the world of exactly who the rightful possessor is. Humanity seems to be increasingly forgetful of the humility of being part of God's creation. We are not God, but we have basked in pride and claimed that we stand over creation as if it were all just for us. With arrogance, humanity has acted as if we have the right to do with creation whatever we please, to be its stewards as we were created to be, or to be its destroyers, whatever we choose. If you don't believe me, I would invite you to take a road trip with me. We'll go up to the Fishing Creek Reservoir near Great Falls, South Carolina, and put in at the Highway 21 landing, and we'll go up the river, and you can look at, try to find a stretch of five feet that doesn't have a piece of plastic laying on it. An entire river system littered. Humanity has perpetrated endless evils against the earth and all who dwell therein because we have forgotten who owns the earth and we have assumed that we could do what we want without repercussion. Corporations have sought to protect their profits by neglecting the environment while everyday children and adults are sold as sex slaves around the world, in this nation, in our own state, in our own county. On June 17th of 2015, my life was changed when nine innocent people were killed at a Bible study because of the color of their skin. Color their God created with them. People around the world are executed because of their faith in Christ. That still happens today. The poor are denigrated as lazy and treated as if they are disposable trash, unworthy of care, love, or dignity. Children are allowed to languish in poverty, their plight dismissed as the unfortunate byproduct of their parents' choices. All because we forget the earth and everything in it and everyone in it belongs to God. The shame of those ostracized to the margins of our society is ignored as suicide rates skyrocket. The homeless, the elderly, the orphaned are abandoned to desperation and loneliness because they are viewed as not being productive or useful citizens in a system obsessed with the creation of more and more wealth. If that doesn't suit the bottom line, if their existence doesn't produce something, don't worry about them. They have no real quality of life anyway. And our society tinkers on the edge of deciding that even old people should be put down when they're no longer useful. And today, we hear an example of this problem from Scripture. As a puppet king named Herod, propped up by the Romans, ultimately viewed John the Baptist's own life as something that he could consume on a whim. 
Something that he could take and give as a prize. And so John's head is brought to the banquet on a platter. You know, that's what they brought the food in to be eaten on. John's dignity is consumed by Herodias and her desire to preserve her right to sin. She sees him as someone she can own. God save us from ourselves. I would like to be wrong about all of that. But I don't think that I am. Does it not seem to you that humanity has forgotten that we are part of what God has created and that all of creation is loved by God and maybe that we've forgotten intentionally out of our own pride and our own desires to have what we wish to have? For that, I wonder if maybe that's why care for the environment has become a political issue instead of a discipleship issue. Do you hear me, church? Politicians actually argue about whether or not we should care for the earth that our God created. People have used both the earth and one another as if they belong to themselves. When the truth is that every single person, including John the Baptist, is divinely created, a reflector of the image and glory of God, and that person belongs to God. We, dear ones, belong to God. And yet we often live as if there is no God, as if there is no repercussion for our actions. Herod is given to us today as an example. When we leave behind the humility of belonging to God, it frees us up to forget to serve as caretakers of the earth, as servants of our fellow human beings. Do you remember when Cain said to the Lord God, Am I my brother's keeper? The answer expected from the question is yes, you are. We forget to treat creation with the respect demanded by the truth of the earth and the fullness in it belongs to the Lord God Almighty. And so I remind us of Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Did you hear that, church? For an illustration of how easy it is to forget ownership in the face of our sin-distorted desires. I could mention that tool that we borrowed or that casserole dish that's still sitting in our cabinet that someone brought over to us. I promise we'll get it back. (laughs) Gonna try to. Right, I could tell you a story about a church that was growing so fast that they ran out of parking places. And they happened to look out one day and see that the the store across the street, the grocery store, had a really big, nice, well-lit parking lot that had just been resealed. It looked like it had fallen out of heaven just for them. And the grocery store was closed on Sunday. And so they said, Pastor, call up the owner of the store and see if we can use the parking lot. So he did. And the guy said, well, sure. And the pastor said, now I understand. We want to use it all day, morning and night on Sunday. He said, that's fine. 
That'll be fine. I'm glad to let you do it, but I'm only going to let you have it on 51 Sundays. But on Christmas Sunday, I'm going to chain it off. And the pastor said, what? Man, that's the day we need it most. And the store owner said, yeah, but if I do that, you won't forget who owns it. It's easy for us. As we go through the things that we do as church to start to think that we are separate from the creation, separate from our neighbors, that we are here hiding out in some kind of holy fortress as God's chosen. But dear ones, that's an abandonment of who God wants us to be. God wants us to be his people who care for his creation and care for the world and all who are in it. We live in a season where people have become accustomed to using the earth and each other for their own benefit, and we have forgotten who they belong to. This is what allows us to disrespect the earth and our neighbor to the point that it becomes easy for us to use our neighbor for our own selfish, sinful desires. This is what allowed a sin-sick soul to sit in a prayer circle at Mother Emanuel Church, pull out a handgun, and shoot nine people. He forgot who they belonged to. This is what allows us to denigrate our neighbors by calling them unworthy of our care, by calling them the N-word when no one else is around, by talking about other people as if their struggles and their misery don't matter. And those who do such things, the psalmist would tell us, pollute the earth with the blood on our hands. We pollute themselves. We pollute others with the wickedness of abuse, with the wickedness of violence, with the wickedness of hatred. We treat the world as if it's ours to destroy, as if it belonged on a platter for us to consume for our own pleasure. But the world and all that's in it is created for the good pleasure of God. And those who treat it otherwise, the psalmist says, are those whose hands are not clean, their hearts are not pure. They are people who have lifted their souls up to the idols of hatred, of warfare, and violence. They've lifted themselves up and given themselves over as a sacrifice to the devil himself so that the image of God can be destroyed in the world. They're satisfied with wealth, with lust, with fame, with self-comfort. They have no pity, and so they have no place on God's holy mountain because they have forgotten the face of God who owns all things. Dear ones, evil is the inevitable outcome of believing that the world and all that is in it are neither created by God or belong to God. We would do well not to follow in their way. The psalmist Ask the question, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who will stand in God's holy place? And the answer is this, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, those who have not lifted up their souls to idols and to what is false, those who do not practice deceit, those who will stand with the Lord or those who submit to ownership of the Lord God over themselves. 
You are not your own. I do not belong to David. Let us remember our Lord Jesus Christ commands to love God with our whole heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because if we love God and love our neighbors, our hands will not be stained with the blood and suffering of our neighbors. Jesus calls us to be people who would refuse to place John the Baptist's head on a platter just for political expediency or selfish gain. People whose hands are not stained by the oppression of others. He calls us to be people of pure hearts, washed clean of the filth of lust, of envy, of hatred, and violence. He calls us to be people who respond to God's love by loving God and everything that inhabits the earth. And I have good news for you. Though that sounds astoundingly hard, our Lord's victory over sin and death makes this possible for us. I am not holding up before you an impossible way of life, but I'm holding up before you the way of life that Jesus Christ himself makes possible and calls you into. The Holy Spirit is given to you in your baptism to transform your heart and my heart and heal us to make it possible for us to truly love God and our neighbor so that out of our very habit of being, we neither harm the creation or anything in it. And I'm good with that all the way up to don't shoot that deer thing. That even that should speak to us about the sanctity of that. Occasionally, this psalm has been on my mind as I've knelt before an animal that I've killed and pray over it. I give you thanks, Lord, for the life of this animal that will now nourish mine. To be stewards is to use the earth with reverence for who it belongs to. To be stewards is to love our neighbor because of who they belong to. Even if they're horrible people, the God who loves them is your God and loves you. The risen Christ is the king of glory who walks into this world to restore all of creation to newness, including us, to take away the darkness in us that sin and death have brought. He comes to remove from us the chains of sin and death and free us for joyful obedience. The psalmist invites us to lift up the gates of our lives and welcome Christ in. The risen Christ comes to reconcile us to our creator, to renew us and restore us so that we truly might submit to God's reign over our lives, entering now the kingdom of heaven, so that we might submit ourselves to God's rule in this world and be his church. A community of people called out for the purpose of giving ourselves for others so that God may be known. And if we are that people, then we will not murderously defend our own kingdoms against anyone who threatened them. Instead of murderously defending our own kingdoms, which is what Herod was doing, we invite those who threaten us to know the Lord Christ. Jesus offers us new life in him 
a life redeemed and released from the bondage to our evil, distorted desires that cause us to see the world as something we can possess and use for our own gain, as something to be exploited for our own personal pleasure. And I wonder who will live in submission to God's claim on the earth in their own lives. I hope, dear ones, that your answer is I will, that we will. Herod treated John the Baptist as if John were his own possession to give as a prize. And John's head was brought to Herodias' daughter, served on a platter, a gift he had no right to give. Because John the baptizer, like all of creation and like all of you, belonged not to Herod, but to God. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I charge us today to remember that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, every single person that you will meet this week was created in the image of God. Even that person that we might hate just a little bit. May God save us from the Herod in us. Amen.